0: Have you ever had news that uh, was so exciting, it just kind of welled up inside you, and then eventually it bursted forth? Uh, Maybe for you, that news was uh, when you were in high school, uh, that you were going off to college. Uh, You had applied to all the various colleges, and one of them accepted you, and you were excited, and you kind of let everyone know. Uh, Maybe for you it wasn't college. Maybe it was simply the fact that you are graduating high school. I mean, that's accomplishment enough, right? And you were ready to walk across the stage and to be done and to get into uh, the workforce. It was exciting, and you wanted people to know about it. Uh, Later on in life, maybe the news that was exciting for you uh, was you had found that one, the girl of your dreams, and you had asked her dad, and he had said yes, so you got on one knee, and you asked her, will you marry me? And she said yes, and the first thing you did was what? Took pictures, posted it on Instagram, and everyone liked it. Or maybe you sent out cards to everyone, I guess. All right, but you were excited about finally getting this chance to marry Later on in life, uh, the excitement continued as you tried to get pregnant. For some of you, maybe it was easy. For other you, others of you, maybe it took some time. But when you finally found out that you were going to have a child, you were excited about it. You had the picture of the ultrasound. You showed everyone that you came across. You told them all when your due date was, and everyone was happy for you. It even bleeds into our workplace sometimes, right? Right? You know, we we work in the same jobs over and over again, and we finally get up for that promotion that we've always dreamed about, and we interview and we nail the interview, and then we get the promotion and we let everyone know I have done it. Maybe for you, the news that is in your lives isn't as exciting. Maybe you come across news that maybe you don't really want people to know about. The colleges that you all applied for, they've all declined you. And, you. and you know that it's disappointing your family and your friends, and so you just don't really want to share that information with people. Maybe, maybe that girl that you had spent weeks and years and months just trying to woo her, you get on your knee, you thought you both are ready for that next step, and you find out that she's just ready to move on. And she leaves you On a knee. You know, maybe after years of trying and years of money spent trying to have that child, you find out that it's just not possible. As news that you're not really wanting people to know about because it saddens you. Maybe you've been working in the same job over and over and over again, and you've been trying to get that promotion, but every time it comes up, someone else gets it, and you know that you're just kind of in a stuck spot. You know that if you go to a different company, you would have to start over all from the beginning, and you're just not excited. In our lives, we have news that's both exciting and news that's not quite so exciting. And there's times that we want to tell the world, and there's times where we don't want anyone to know what is going on. When we look in the story of Jesus, I think we come across a time where the followers of Jesus just have news that's not that exciting. Jesus has been led away from them. Jesus has been put on trial. Jesus has been beaten. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus lays dead in a tomb. These disciples, they they were committed to Jesus. Throughout the entire book of Mark, we see that a single question has been asked. Who is Jesus? And the disciples, they thought they knew this. They thought that he was the Messiah, the one who would establish his kingdom on earth. And they had followed him for a while now. And now they're sitting there asking themselves, not who is Jesus, but who is. Was he? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. We're going to look at this story. This is the setting for what takes place in this final chapter of Mark. And what's interesting is, is there's three women that come to the tomb of Jesus, and it's just three of them. No one else is there. And I think they're asking that question. Who is Jesus? Who was He? And they're coming because Jesus is dead. It's not news they're excited about. It's not news that they're ecstatic about. They're coming simply to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And We read their story starting in verse 1 when we're told that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Uh, These women, they bring spices to the body of Jesus. This was a custom that was done in this time period. Uh, It was because uh, tombs that were built, they were built for more than one body. And so you would place the body on a slab, and you would kind of let it decompose, and then you'd gather up the bones and toss it in a box uh, for later burial. So there's two processes to the burial. But as you're waiting for that to take place, someone else would die, and they would place it in the same tomb. And so when you rolled away the stone, what you didn't want to smell was the decay, right? That would be terrible. And so they would put these spices on the bodies of the dead so that when they rolled it away, it at least covered some of the odor. And so they've, they've waited. They couldn't do anything during the Sabbath day, the day of rest. And so they waited until it was over. They went out. They bought spices the night before probably. And then they go early in the morning to prepare Jesus' body. You notice they're not coming for something spectacular. They're not coming because they expected Jesus to be alive. They're coming because Jesus is dead. And as they're walking, they ask the question, who will roll this stone away? It was a heavy stone. It was kind of easy, kind of just fitted into place. But to roll it away would have been very difficult. And here are three women who probably don't have enough strength to do this stone. It probably would have taken a number of, of people to do this. And they ask, who is going to help us? I think in the minds of these women, they're asking this question, what is next? I think all the committed followers of Jesus, they're asking that question. They, they thought Jesus was the Messiah. They had dedicated their lives. They had spent three years following Jesus, listening to his teachings. They were committed to him. And now that he is dead, what's next? You know, they're going to have to go back home and they're going to have to tell their parents, hey, We messed up. The guy that we thought was the Messiah, he really wasn't. They're going to have to go back to their bosses that they had quit their jobs from and explain to them why they needed their jobs back. It was just one of those moments where it wasn't really exciting news and they didn't know what was next. These women, the only thing that they could think of was Jesus' body needs to be prepared. Somebody needs to take care of it. And so in this moment, their what next is, this is the next step that we possibly can do. One final act that we can give to this man that we followed and we were dedicated to and that we loved. And even though they don't know what is next, God is in the midst of working. See, they're unaware of what is about to take place. They are unaware that their lives are about to be shattered in a spectacular way. They're unaware that an epic changing event has already taken place. God is already working as they're wondering what is next. And we read about how God works in verses 4 and 5. We're told uh, that when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. While they were wondering what was to happen with the stone, how are we going to get it out? God was already working in that. God already had taken it away. And it's interesting that they don't even stop and be like, huh. You know, they just keep walking into the tomb. And so we see it in verse 5 that they go into the tomb, and when they get there, there's this young man dressed in white robes sitting at the right side, and they are alarmed. That word there for alarm talks about deep emotion. They are afraid for their lives. And we don't know who this man is. Mark doesn't really tell us, but he does give us some hints. First, he tells us that this man is dressed in white. And throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, anyone dressed in white was an angel of God. White is hard to keep white in the, in the Middle East where it's dusty all the time, right? All right? So white is a spectacular color. And we also see that their reaction, that they are alarmed, that they're afraid for their lives. That is the common reaction in the New Testament anytime any time an angel appears. And so while Mark doesn't tell us who this person is, we can assume that it is an angel. And God is working in this story. See, these women, they, they are coming in, not expecting anything, just trying to prepare Jesus' body. But God was working and preparing them for something greater. God was preparing the world for something greater. God was working in the lives of the disciples, preparing them to be messengers. God was working in the life of Jesus to bring about his glory. And yes, he had died. Yes, he was laid in a tomb. But God was bigger than that. And God rose Jesus from the grave. And God was working through it all and even today god is working in us you no know, god wants what is good for us he seeks our good and if we are faithful to god god will work in the good times and in the bad when you go off to college and you get that one job, college that you really wanted to go to when you get that one job that you really wanted to go to when that woman says yes god is there working, preparing you for what is next. And God is there in the bad times. When you're left on one knee, when you're stuck in your place of work, when you just don't know what is next, God is there preparing you, getting you ready for what He has for you. God is working in it all. And so we come back to this question, what is next for us? These women, they're going to give a task by this angel this angel is going to tell them this is what i want you to do but before we look at that i think we have to ask this of ourselves what is next for me what is next in my relationship with jesus what is the next step that i need to take and sometimes we don't know maybe for you the next step is committing yourself more to the teachings of jesus Maybe you just know that there's something bigger in this world than what you currently are experiencing. Maybe you know that there is something that loves you, and you just don't know what. So you need to commit yourself to coming and learning and listening to what God has to say. Maybe for you, the next step is baptism. Maybe you know that God is wanting you to commit fully to Him, that He wants you to be connected to His Son. So maybe for you, the next step is taking that commitment, being buried with Jesus. Maybe for you, the next step is serving. You know, you've been sitting in the pews for so long that you forget what it means to be a disciple. You forget that it's bigger than just coming and listening to the preacher. Maybe for you, you know that the next step that you need to take is to find a place to serve. And maybe for you, maybe for you, you're feeling stuck in your job because you know that God wants you to do something bigger. And maybe the next step for you is to give your two weeks notice on Monday and to fully commit to the ministry that he wants you to do. We have to all answer that question for us. Now, I can't answer it for you. I can give you ideas, but you have to wrestle with it with yourself. What is next for you? And even if we don't know what is next, God does know and He is preparing you. And God has a task for you. He has a task for these women. Uh, We read about it from the angel's words in verse 6. He says, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they have laid him, and I think this is the one of the most important verses in all of Mark. See these women coming to this tomb, just seeing an empty tomb, it would have meant nothing to them. Now, when you read some of the people who were against Christianity from the early centuries, one thing that they always mention is the empty tomb. Like, no one argues that the tomb is still there. You know, if Jesus' body is laying in a tomb, they surely would have mentioned it, right? So no one argues the empty tomb. What they argue is this, what does it mean? What does the empty tomb mean? And without the angel sitting there talking to the woman, the empty tomb means nothing. It's the message of this angel. He is not here, and the reason he's not here is because he is alive. The empty tomb is a symbol of Jesus' victory over death. The empty tomb is a symbol of Jesus' conquering the grave. The empty tomb is saying that Jesus can overcome whatever it is that we're facing. And so when we have bad news in our lives, when we have news that we're not really excited about because it saddens us or makes us look bad, Jesus is bigger than that bad news. And Jesus has overcome it. And the angel now tells the women what they are to do. He says in verse 7, go tell the disciples and Peter. And the reason why he mentions Peter is because Peter's kind of disappeared from the story, right? He denied Jesus and then he disappears. And the, deci- the angel wants them to make sure that they tell Peter because Jesus even conquered the denial of Peter. And whatever sins have kept us away from God, Jesus has conquered it. So the angel tells him, go tell the disciples and Peter and say, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. For the disciples, they thought the story was over. No, they thought that they were going to have to go back home to rework their jobs. They were not expecting... Je- there's a reason why there's not a larger crowd at the tomb, right? They were not expecting Jesus to come alive. They weren't sitting there waiting for God to roll away the tomb. All right? They were afraid. And they thought it was over. This Messiah, this one that they thought was the Son of God, He is now dead. This kingdom they thought He was going to start... That's been dashed to pieces. And yet, the story is really just beginning. And these women are the first to start that new part of the story. To be told about the risen Savior. And that story continues even with us. We all experience what it means for Jesus to be alive we live because Jesus lives we have life and forgiveness from our sins because Jesus was crucified buried and rose again and we get to continue that story we get to tell the next phase of that story with the way that we live And it's interesting, these women are the first ones to hear this message, and Mark tells us what they do next. In verse 8, we're told that they were trembling, they were bewildered, and the women went out and fled the tomb. Again, they're afraid for their lives, and they said nothing to anyone. These women are so afraid that they don't even tell anyone. And I don't think they remain silent for the rest of their lives. I think eventually it comes out. That's why Mark's able to tell this story. But it's interesting that in the book of Mark, this seems to be where he ends. Your versions might have a couple more verses, uh, but they're probably italicized. They probably have a note next to them. And there's a lot of question because it seems kind of like a weird ending, right? The women leave and they don't tell anyone. What happened after that? And so it seems that some people came back and they rewrote an ending that made more sense. But I think Mark intended it to end here because I think it leaves us with one final question that we have to answer. What do we do with this story? The women are given the story and they go and they run out in fear and they tell no one. What are we going to do With this story. What is our response. To what we've read. See we are witnesses. To the gospel. We are witnesses. To this story. Of Jesus. Dying for our sins. And overcoming death. And having victory over the grave. And it's played out into our lives. And if we look at the book of Mark, we see this question, who is Jesus? And he gives us the answer. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And now that we know the story, now that we know what happens, and we are the continuation of the story, and we know that the story is not over, what will we do with it? You know, we get to treat it either as good news or as bad news. And if I were to ask you what is the story of Jesus, I think we all would say it is good news. It is exciting news. But do we treat it that way? Do we treat it the same way that we let other exciting news just well up inside us until it overflows and we cannot wait to tell people? Do we talk about it? where we work? Do we talk about it where we go to school? Do we talk about it with our kids and our grandkids? What do we do with this story? Is it coming from our mouths? Or are we hiding it? Are we ashamed of it by our actions? What do we do with this story? We are witnesses to the gospel. We have experienced the life-saving death of Jesus. We all have committed ourselves to be His followers. We have been immersed into Him. And now we are part of the story. And so we need to go out, and we need to tell the story. The mission that the angel gives the women, it's the same mission for us to go and make disciples. Is that what we're doing? Are we sharing this story? Or are we keeping it for ourselves? So when you go to work on Monday, who needs to know? You, you know it. You've been working with them. You know that they need to know about Jesus. The world needs to know about Jesus. But you know that one person in particular who really needs to hear this message. What are you going to do on Monday? When you go to the senior center and you eat there, you know the people there. You know who doesn't know Jesus. Who are you going to share that story with? When you go back to school on Monday or Tuesday, whichever one you're going to, who needs to know? What friend doesn't go to church and has never heard about Jesus? Who do you need to share that story with. See, we are witnesses of the gospel, and if we don't tell the story, no one will. It's our responsibility, it's our job to treat this as good news, to treat this with excitement, and to tell the world who Jesus is. We are witnesses of the gospel, and we need to share this story let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the story of Jesus who overcame the grave, who overcame death. He is not here. He is risen. Help us in our lives, Father, to overcome our fears, to stop treating the gospel story as bad news, but rather to treat it as the good news that it is. Help us to share with the world who desperately needs to know about who Jesus is. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death. And it's his name we pray. Amen.